um, with the um, what looked like Noah's flood or something approaching Noah's flood. By the way, I, I, I heard that this was either uh, a 100-year flood or 500-year flood, depending on who you listen to. Um, all that to say, I'm glad you're here. We're here to worship the Lord. And, um, you know, these kinds of uh, events, I guess I don't really need that, do I? <laughs> these kind of events um, give us pause, don't they, to sit up and, and uh, pay notice, pay attention. Y- you know, we go about life and we're busy with life and things... Uh, kind of go day to day and then something like like this or like Hurricane uh, Sandy uh, come about and it, it kind of shakes you, jolts you a little bit, doesn't it? Reminds you just who is in control. By the way, I was delighted that at least the uh, news that I was listening to didn't talk about Mother Nature or some other such foolishness. Um, They actually spoke about a flood of biblical proportions. (laughs) Not quite uh, exactly what they had in mind, but uh, I believe it's a healthy thing for us every so often to sit back and realize that we worship an awesome God. And by the way, um, it's good to pause every so often and remember that awesome just doesn't mean cool. You know, unfortunately, the word awesome has become um, overused, you know, to where people talk about going getting lunch and uh, having a finger-licking burger and saying, oh, that was an awesome burger. So it's kind of hard to convey the meaning of awesome, which basically means awesome or awe-inspiring. And um, that's for us during this time of year, um, thinking about who God is, is awe-inspiring. In fact, I saw a statement that really grabbed my attention. By the way, awe is connected to a Hebrew word, nora, which has to do with uh, fear. And we usually think of fear in a very negative sense, um, as in some, in the fear that paralyzes you, t- makes you feel like you're totally incapable of doing anything. And biblically, as you know, you may know, that fear is something that inspires us to sit back and reflect on who God is and revere Him. Um, by the way, as you also may know, I'm assuming... Um, all kinds of things tonight, but um, you may know that the 10 days between 
Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are called the days of awe, Yamim Noraim. And um, it's hard for us to really get our arms around that uh, unless you happen to be very familiar with Jewish tradition. And, and I read a statement that really grabbed my attention. There is a prayer, there are a number of prayers, but one of them uh, conveyed the fact that these days are awesome and full of dread. Now, for us who are followers of Yeshua, it's hard for us to get our arms around that because we don't normally um, associate fear of God um, with our worship of Him. Um, because we're encouraged, for example, by what we read in Scripture, particularly in the book of Hebrews, where we are in essence encouraged to come into God's presence, um, somewhat like kids coming to sit on under daddy's lap. And I realize that for many of us that doesn't necessarily conjure great and wonderful imagery, but you get the message. Uh, coming to uh, come boldly before the throne of grace, then you may find grace and mercy to, to help us in time of need. This is, of course, the book of Hebrews or Messianic, the letter to the Messianic Jews according to David Stern, a complete Jewish Bible. So, again, you have one of these infamous Jewish on one hand, on the other hand. On one hand, we're encouraged to come before God's throne. Uh, we're encouraged to come into his presence, something which the children of Israel were not capable of doing um, because their ability to enter into God's presence was somewhat more limited. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, the Word of God gives us these uh, severe statements that we like to kind of brush under the carpet and use all kinds of theological um, twisting to try and, and soften them. Um, in the same book that speaks about us coming boldly before the throne, we're also told this basic fact. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Here's that same word. For our God is a consuming fire. This is written to a group of followers of Yeshua. And um, it's important for us to realize that the Word of God gives us both and. Both the encouragement and confidence to come into God's presence. And by the way, for us who are followers of Yeshua, this is such a, an awesome, let me use that word again, um, truth because in traditional Judaism, much of the time, God is viewed as someone who is unapproachable. So we need both and, both to know that God is approachable and that we have confidence. But at the same time, I, I feel like part of reality for us is that we, as believers have often lost the other side, the truth of how you come before God in prayer and fasting and how you recognize 
and get your arms around just who God is. That yes, he is our friend, yes, he is our helper, but he is also the master of the universe. That um, it is normal and proper to, to have a healthy fear and healthy respect, especially if we have the sense that we want to come and seek God, that he would do something special in our life or special in the life of our community, the Jewish community that we're seeking, then at some point we recognize the fact that intimacy and closeness with God has a price. That we don't come into God's presence um, disrespectfully and barge into it and say, God, I have an agenda here. Would you please step on it? Unfortunately, that's what we end up doing sometimes, foolishly. Um, God is not mocked. And part of the process of us growing into maturity in our relationship with the Lord is having both and both the confidence that Abba Father loves us profoundly and yet at the same time recognizing the fact that we need to have those times when we seek God and when we are acutely conscious of our sin. Acutely conscious. Um, not in a negative sense that we beat ourselves up and, and have this horrible guilt. Um, but nonetheless, acutely conscious of our sin. And um, this is not something we are very eager to do. Because our inclination is to say, I'm okay. You know, I'm not bad. I have a few things here and there, but I'm okay. And as you look into different passages of Scripture, the people who had this real closeness with God also had a profound, somewhat distressing sense of their own sin. And, and I would dare say that if you desire a closeness with God... And if you're clueless about your own sin, something has to change. Either you'll never get really close to God because of your conception of uh, your perception of yourself, or else, yes, you will get close to God, and as you get close to God, then you will have a clear sense of your yuck. Not so that we can <clears throat> punish ourselves but so that we can seek God in, in humility and um, receive the forgiveness <clears throat> and the cleansing that we all need. Part of the liturgy for Kol Nidre <clears throat> is the reciting of Psalm 130, which is considered both a penitential prayer and also a psalm of ascent. And let me just take a moment to explain that. <clears throat> this is part of a number of songs, which is what psalms are, um, that were recited or chanted by pilgrims who were marching uh, towards Jerusalem. And remember that in Israel, any place outside of Jerusalem, you're going up. So it was ascent, and people were preparing to come to the house of God for different occasions. And... Um, they were preparing themselves. Part of the picture was that they were supposed to prepare themselves. 
And this particular person, we don't know all the details, but it was someone who clearly understood a couple of basic facts. One is that they were between a rock and a hard place. Um, whenever you see in scripture the phrase out of the depths you know a person is really not doing grandly because in, in scripture depths was often associated with Sheol which was a place of the dead so this, this songwriter cries out to God out of the depths in whatever mess he's in possibly sick or some other pit and he says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. Which is kind of odd when you think about it, because if God is all-knowledgeable, then he knows everything, he hears everything, he sees everything. But there are times when we are desperate for God's special touch, and we say, Lord, would you please turn to me and hear me? Because life gets overwhelming and sometimes it's because of our own stupidity because of our own sin um, that we experience the consequences but not always there are times when God allows us to go through fiery trials for his reasons and um, nonetheless we recognize that at any given point we're not exactly flawless like a, like a, uh, a diamond that's, that's flawless we all recognize on some level I hope we all do and if you're a person who doesn't understand something about their sin um, you need help <laughs> big time the writer here is saying, um, Lord, if you, Lord, kept a record of sin, who would stand? In other words, part of the picture, he is saying, God, if you hung on to my sin, if you, were, if you had uh, a record, if you were a grudge holder, I would be nuked. Think about that for a minute. You know, often with our understanding of Scripture, we tend to be blasé about sin. You know, the Lord came, He, he suffered, He provided atonement. Um, and when you sin, you mumble a prayer. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, okay, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, let's get on with it. don't really have a sense, a deep sense of our sin and a deep sense of our need for repentance. Again, you have both and. You have our blasé-ness about sin. Then sometimes we get obsessed. Some of, us, some of us get obsessed. I'll speak for myself. And we want to take a pair of tweezers um, to pull out any possible imaginable sin in us which doesn't work either and by the way later on we will be um, reciting the corporate confession which 
is also traditional. And if you're, not, if you're new to us, you may find it a little odd because as you recite the prayers, the, the guilt, you might say, hey, this sounds like chest beating. Well, that's where the expression came from. And you may feel like, you know, I'm not guilty of all these nasty sins. And you may be right. But at some point, somewhere in the list, there is a sin that has your name on it. Let me say that again. Somewhere in the list, there is a sin that has your name on it. And really more to the point, as we will be reciting these sins later on, we're doing that not as a collection of individuals, but as a congregational mishpacha. There is, there is a, uh, an identity as, as a spiritual family in a community of faith. By the way, you'll find that whenever you look at all the giants of faith as they were praying, part of their prayer was, Lord, we sinned, not just those bad guys over here and, and my nasty um, predecessors, but we sinned. Clear sense of understanding of, of corporate sin. And if that's where we stop, we would really be in sad shape. But that's where hope comes in. The writer of Psalm 130 says, With you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are to be feared. Now again, you are to be feared in a sense of reverence. Reverend. Um... Why? Because when we experience God's forgiveness for a sin, doesn't that make you feel ashamed of yourself? And doesn't that drive you to seek God's forgiveness and His cleansing? I hope it does. God's goodness is what leads us to repentance, folks. So that's what the writer is saying. He is coming in humility and he is wanting to be attentive and to wait on God. Now, waiting on God is another one of these disciplines that have gone out the window. You know, we don't live in a culture that is really big on waiting. You know, we get new computers and they're faster and you press the button and you expect the internet to come up instantly and when it doesn't, you blow a gasket or you're about to blow a gasket. And uh, so waiting is not something we really care to master. However, you've heard the expression, good things come to he or she who waits. That's definitely true biblically. By the way, here in this song, part of what the, the, the poet does here is he gives us three different um, flavors or three different nuances of what waiting is, is about. He uses a word which, from which we get the Hebrew national anthem, tikva, which has to do with waiting with eager expectation. Now think about that. Isn't it true that most of the time when you wait, you wait impatiently and you feel like it's dead time? All right, let's get on with it. 
Uh, how come so-and-so in front of me is futzing, fumbling with, with their checkbook and doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. We learn to wait with eager expectation. Why? Not because of ourselves, but because of God. We have reason to wait on Him and trust Him because we have seen His past actions. By the way, if you're here tonight, you if it's been a while since you can look back at your life and rewind the tapes and find an one occasion where you can say God came through for me if you don't have that um, you have grounds for coming and pounding on his door because that's who he is and yes there are times when we get hopeless and we get tired of waiting and you know there's no shame in saying that to God and saying Lord I've run out of hope would you please give me the needed hope to be able to persevere and to trust you my soul in verse 6 my soul waits for the Lord that's implied there more than watchmen wait for the morning again the picture is people who are eager to see something come about the other word that I wanted to mention is in verse 7 O Israel put your hope in the Lord and the word for hope there has the sense of confident expectation I don't know if you can see the difference between eager expectation where you are trusting God and confident uh, meaning that you know God will come through why? Because you know who God is and as you get to know God better you have good reasons to trust Him and wait for His redemptive plan to come through. The writer finishes by saying for the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And yes, there are times when Redemption just means I'm in a pit. God, would you please pull me out of the pit? But then there are other times when the pit is a spiritual one that we have slid into and we need God to pull us out. Again, remember that what God does is holistic. It's a package, an entire package, beginning with what's in the heart, what's spiritual. So let me encourage you to read the psalm, Psalm 130, and uh, to go over some of the penitential prayers um, the next day or so. I would like to encourage you to take time to fast as you're able and devote additional chunk of your life to seeking God. that he would do his deeper work in you and that he would bring about his redemption where redemption is needed.
The Lord is waiting. He is waiting for us to come and seek Him more fully. And if you are new to the whole notion of a relationship with God, let me encourage you that He is also waiting for you. Let's pray. Lord God, we bless your name and we thank you on this Kol Nidre service that you are merciful, that you're both awesome and holy and that you're merciful. We pray, Lord God, for each one of us where, wherever we are in our relationship with you. We pray, Lord God, that you will give us a greater hunger to know you better and that as part of that has to do with our receiving redemption and repenting for sin, we pray, Lord God, that your Ruach, your Spirit would speak to us, give us soft hearts, Lord God, to welcome you into all these areas, these dark places, deep and hurting places, Lord God, places where we have sin. We pray, Lord God, that we would welcome you in confident expectation that you will indeed do your work with us. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I'd like to continue our service, and would you please turn back to your bulletin. I'll rise for the reciting of the Shema. Great is the Lord, and holy is his name. Come, let us exalt his name together. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Baruch Shem Kevod, Machuto Leolam Vayed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Blessed be the name of his glorious majesty forever and ever. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray for those that hurt you and despitefully use you. You may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, this service is called Kol Nidre, which is uh, an Aramaic phrase which means all vows. And uh, in a moment or so, um, Ken and Hélène are going to play the beautiful and haunting traditional melody uh, that accompanies Kol Nidre um, and will be reciting Psalm 51, penitential psalm. But I want to take a moment and just explain uh, why part of our service is not uh, the reciting of Kol Nidre. Kol Nidre, by the way, is a, um, 
a legal proclamation, legal declaration, and here are the words that, the basic words for them. All personal vows that we are likely to make, all personal oaths and pledges we're likely to make, to take rather, between this Yom Kippur and the next Yom Kippur, we publicly renounce. Let them all be relinquished and abandoned, null and void, neither firm nor established. Let our personal vows, pledges, and oaths be considered neither vows nor pledges nor oaths. And by the way, uh, there's another version, the Sephardi version, the uh, Eastern uh, Jewish version has not in the year to come, but in the preceding year. In other words, all vows that have been made the previous year are um, nullified. And by the way, this refers to not vows that are intentionally broken. In other words, you make a vow and you say, ah, I'm not interested, forget it, God. But rather, you make a vow and you either forget because you're somewhere in China, uh, not literally in China, um, or or you are you're weak. Now, a couple thoughts about this. One is we're not really sure where Kol Nidre began. Uh, it's possible that it came right around the seventh century, which was a time of severe persecution for Jewish people, where part of the picture was that Jews were forcibly converted and part of the conversion process was forcible immersion or baptism and that along with that there was the reciting of nasty vows that basically uh, declared if, if I so much as look at anything Jewish from this point on may all kinds of curses come upon me. Uh, this is part of unfortunately part of our history, the history that uh, Jewish people have had with organized, uh, the organized church. Um, we're not really sure, but that's probably uh, likely. Um, we, on the other hand, at Yeshua Tzion, have chosen not to recite Kol Nidre um, because they're the greater concern for us is not that we follow tradition uh, whether it's Jewish or Christian by the way tradition is, is a good thing, can be a good thing it can be very God affirming, very spiritually motivating or it can also be anti-scriptural and so we have to draw the line and for us the line is simply the fact that both the Torah and the teaching of Yeshua state explicitly that when we make vows we need to fulfill them and by the way we find that the followers of Yeshua made vows uh, we find a couple of examples in the book of Acts so making vows is a good thing whether we do one of these uh, quid pro quo routines where we say God I will do X if you'll do Y um, you know, we sometimes do that. Lord, I'm having a hard time. I will do X units of spirituality if, if you get me out of this mess. 
Um, as much as anything, I, I believe that vows, the spirit of vow making can simply be, Lord, I want to be farther along with you during this coming year than I was the year before. You know, where we point our nose in that direction. So all that to say, um, while the music just pulls at our heartstrings and while the music reminds us that the 85,000 Jewish people in the Denver metro area are looking for atonement. Often, most of the time, not sure that it's coming. For us, we don't just want to say, we've got atonement, ha-ha, but rather to, to receive compassion from God for the people who are in need of Him receiving atonement. So would you please listen as the melody for that is recited and also as Psalm 51 is being recited.
If you like, you could follow along in Psalm 51. <clears throat> I could almost imagine the king's palace when Nathan came to David and told him that his sin had been found out, his sin with Bathsheba. I can almost imagine these instruments playing as David was asking God for forgiveness for what he did in this song. God, in your grace, have mercy on me. In your great compassion, blot out my crimes. Wash me completely from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my crimes, my sin confronts me all the time. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil from your perspective. So that you are right in accusing me and justified in passing sentence. True, I was born guilty, was a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. Still, you want truth in the inner person. So make me know wisdom in my inmost heart. Sprinkle me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the sound of joy and gladness so that the bones you crush can rejoice. Turn away your face from my sins and blot out all my crimes. Create in me a clean heart, God. Renew in me a resolute spirit. Don't thrust me away from your presence. Don't take your rock, Hakadesh, from me. Restore my joy in your salvation, and let a willing spirit uphold me. Then I will teach the wicked your ways, and sinners will return to you. Rescue me from my guilt of shedding blood, God, God of my salvation. Then my tongue will sing about your righteousness, Adonai, open my lips, then my mouth will praise you. For you don't want sacrifices or I would give them. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice to God is a broken spirit. God, you won't spurn a broken, chastened heart. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then you will offer bulls on your altar. To it on, in your bulletin on page two and three, we have a responsive reading. <clears throat> would you please stand as we do this? Our God, God of our fathers, may our prayer reach you. Do not ignore our plea. For we are not insolent to say to you, we are just and have not sinned. Indeed, we have sinned. We have acted treasonably, aggressively, and slanderously. We have acted brazenly, viciously, and fraudulently. We have acted willfully, scornfully, and obstinately. We have acted perniciously, disdainfully, and erratically. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But we have been haughty in spirit, inflated with pride in our own self-sufficiency. We have forgotten how needy we are. Our Messiah said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But we have insulated ourselves from those around us, from their pain, their needs, their loneliness, their suffering. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
But we have valued righteousness over gentleness. We have too often chosen to look up for ourselves. Like the prodigal son, we want what we want, and we want it now. Our Messiah said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we have hungered after the pleasures, the prestige, and the possessions of this world. Like Esau, we have too often deposited our birthright and raised it up to its Our Messiah said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But we have too often presided as harsh judges over the lives of others. We have been quick to fix blame. We have excused ourselves from any obligation to care or help. Turning away from your good precepts and laws has not profited us. You are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt truthfully, but we have acted wickedly. You know the mysteries of the universe and the dark secrets of every living soul. You search all the inmost chambers of man's conscience. Nothing escapes you. Nothing is hidden from your sight. Now may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, to forgive all our sins and to pardon all our iniquities. For we have sinned committed against you callously, for the sin we committed in your sight unintentionally, for the sin we committed against you by idle talk, for the sin we committed in your sight by lustful behavior, for the sin we committed in your sight knowingly and deceptively, for the sin we committed in your offensive speech, for the sin we committed in your sight by oppressing a fellow man, for the sin we committed against you, evil thoughts. I don't know about you, but after going through that and then what David actually went through and in his heart genuinely asked God to forgive him, I am genuinely glad that we have salvation through Yeshua, our Messiah. Where would we be? Where would we be without Yeshua, the Messiah? We would absolutely be totally lost and miserable in our own sins. Would we not? And I want to read Psalm 130. Adonai, I call to you from the depths. Hear my cry, Adonai. Let your ears pay attention to the sound of my pleading. Yah, if you kept record of sins, who, Adonai, could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you will be feared. I wait longingly for Adonai. I put my hope in his word. Everything in me waits for Adonai. More than guards on watch wait for the morning. More than guards on watch that wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in Adonai, for grace is found with Adonai, and with him is unlimited redemption. He will redeem Israel from all their wrongdoings. Reading from Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 9. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, 
stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lano et derech ha-Yeshua b'Yeshua mishicheinu. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us the way of salvation through Yeshua, our Messiah. Teshuva, commitment to change. How easy it is to become complacent, to become indifferent to the Lord's demands for holiness in our lives. Let us allow the Lord's probing light to shine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Repentance must become part of our lifestyle so that we can fulfill our Messiah's instruction. The first half of this song comes from traditional Yom Kippur liturgy, traditionally Jewish liturgy. Have the lights, please. And... Um, I don't know what it does f for you. It just uh, tugs on my heartstrings. And um, for a couple of reasons. One is, as you understand and come to grips with the Lord's mercy for you, I hope that at some point, if it hasn't already, that it melts your heart because you realize you're not worthy of His mercy. But also, I hope it tugs in your heart as it does for me to know that there are people out there, thousands and thousands of them, who are crying out to God during this season. And the Word of God says that those that seek me earnestly will find me. And at this point, I'd like to ask that you stand The section is called Amidah, which means to stand. It's different than what is done traditionally. What we have here is suggested themes for silent prayer. And for the next few minutes, our worship team will be playing softly, uh, instrumentally, 
And I'd just like to encourage everyone to follow along here with these themes. And um, just seek the Lord. Cry out to Him. Pray along with these um, with these scriptures as you go through these various themes. On this day, Yom Kippur, as we make a commitment to follow the Lord's call to holy living, we need to remember his larger plan for the spiritual restoration of Israel and of all mankind.